shining brass plate timber shaded, now do quiver underfoot, and birds do whistle overhead, and waters bubbling in its bed, and therefore me the apple tree do lean down. Hey, Eric. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Nice to be sitting here in your house with you, my friend. Yeah. After an exciting winter solstice party with our mutual friend, Mike. Mm-hmm. Nice sunny morning here in Minnesota, city of St. Paul. I want to start by talking about CORE. I came out to Lawrence University to visit you maybe a month ago, and you've been working with a group of young incoming students I remember you telling me you were interested in that line of work because you had participated in it your first year of school last year and said you gained a lot from it. Can you tell me a little bit about how that helped you integrate into the university experience and what you're hoping to give young students you're helping this year? Yeah. So I go to Lawrence University in Appleton, Wisconsin, and we have this program, CORE, which, like Chance said, is designed to help integrate first-year students into college life a little bit more seamlessly, give them a little bit of support. I like to think that I did a pretty good job of assimilating into my first year at a university. But CORE was there to just help me unwind and have a time for just free speech. A time and place where the purpose is to speak your mind and be received by other people who are experiencing the same thing as you. Even that idea, just to have a designated space once a week that's just for you and your emotional health and just to get anything off your chest that you wanted to throughout the week is just such a powerful thing. For someone to say, hey, you, like, how are you right now? Honestly, like, say anything to me. That's just a valuable thing for a person to have. And so I wanted to provide that space for people who needed it after me. It's very cathartic to just be listened to. And when people are reluctant to open up into that space, how do you assure them that it's okay to do so? My biggest tactic, which I learned from the upperclassmen who led my core when I was a freshman, is to just be exceedingly open yourself as the core leader because, you know, you're setting up this environment. And so if you lead by example, by just, you know, sharing something maybe embarrassing or disgusting that you've done, (laughs) um, that gives tacit consent for everyone else in the room to share with the same level of vulnerability and also helps to say thank you directly to whoever has previously shared because it acknowledges that, you know, that's like a tough thing to do to just open yourself up to a whole room of people. That's not easy. So it's good to say thank you after. Have you found in any ways that doing this consistently in a group setting has made it easier for you to open up in the same way publicly day to day? Yeah, I think I would attribute that quality that I have of pretty quick openness with people, both to this core program, which we're talking about now, but also the summer camp that I've attended as a young boy all all through my boyhood, since I was 10, I guess, when I'm 19 now. That environment also really encourages self-expression, and it encourages you to listen to people when they're obviously expressing themselves to you. So it's like you put a lot of trust in people to listen when you tell them something that means a lot to you. And you're a leader out at camp now, aren't you, as well? Yeah, yeah, that's kind of actually what interested me. That's another reason why I decided to take the position of core leader at my school, which is this freshman orientation support group type thing, because I feel like it's a, they have similar skill sets, being a camp counselor and being a discussion facilitator. Excellent. And you have really grown up in nature. That's to me, a core part of your personality. You're the, you're the outdoorsman. <laughs> Can you talk about what that has given you through the years, that close connection and 
also speaking on your your family upbringing within that setting. Yeah. Well, I'll answer your first question just by saying that being raised in nature and camping and such, I feel like has given me like a very strong sense of competency. I was always encouraged to just do things for myself and be resourceful in nature. And it's pretty simple to do if you just know like a few basic things. You can really take care of yourself out there, which I think is such a huge autonomy builder and self-confidence builder when you can just, you know, take care of yourself in the woods. So I guess that's what it's really given me is like a sense of, yeah, competency. I feel like I can handle things because of that. And that then translates to other areas. You know, if, if you can take care of yourself with, with nothing out in the wild, you're probably okay in a classroom or city setting or anything else. Yeah, that, that, that puts it well because the way I think of it is like nature and the wilderness is my natural home. And if I can survive there... That bodes well for my, you know, for my Survive future anywhere. amongst, amongst yeah. all these people, yeah. Your dad's coming on the podcast in a couple of days, which I'm really excited for. He does a lot of work along the lines of protecting the environment and sustainability. Mm-hmm. Can you speak on some of the morals or lessons that he shared with you growing up? Yeah. So... My old man and my mom, too, would take us camping a lot at this place called um, Devil's Lake in Wisconsin, and also this lake called Lake Alice. Those were, like, the two spots that we camped at a lot. And I guess the biggest morals he instilled in me when it comes to being in the nature is just kind (laughs) of leave it always as you found it or better. Hmm. And, uh, like, a big lesson I remember him teaching me is that nature does not hurry yet everything is accomplished. And so you should kind of let nature do its thing slowly and be aware that if you take from her resources, that it takes her a long time to build those up again. So tread lightly when you're out there and realize that you're disturbing the balance just by being there. Hmm. And just keep that in account. Take things with you when you are creating trash out there. Like, don't just leave anything there that wasn't there before. Yeah, I'd say that's the main main lesson that, that connects what he does for a job and... My relationship with nature. Very cool. And jumping over to travel, I know you spent some time in Italy this last summer. Mm-hmm. I'm always, always curious to hear about travel experiences. Can you tell me what the change of culture opened your eyes to and what it's, what's been like coming back and seeing your home in familiar places through that fresh perspective, accompanied by what exactly you were doing over there? Because it's, it's pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I was over there for about a month and a half. I was cast in two different operas in a, a young artist program over there called La Musica Lyrica. And I was performing in a traditionally French Poulenc opera called The Dialogues of the Carmelites, which is about the French Revolution in Paris. And then another classic opera called La Traviata, means The Fallen Woman by Giuseppe Verdi. So I was over there rehearsing and performing those operas as well as taking Italian. The main culture difference I noticed both on arrival to Italy and also back in America is like the work, the work culture and, and the ideas that they have about work there. Because hmm. I think, and I was actually talking to someone about this last night at the solstice party, I think they have, they don't wrap their identity so much in, in what they do to make money and to live. And this is purely anecdotal because I was staying in a small town sure. in southern Tuscany. I was really only in one place. We traveled, but the people I knew were all from this place. And... 
everyone worked and was a cog in the machine of the town, but that wasn't who they were. They were just there to, you know, sustain their lives. And they were happy doing it because their attitude towards work there isn't so... It's not, it's not a grind like it is here. It's just a part of your day. Like this woman I knew named Marta was always working at this cry grocery store. And she was working there a lot, but she was, you know, the mother of, of three and her husband was always coming in. They're just much more relaxed there. So that was something good to see. It's slower pace. Mm-hmm. Slower pace. They have a siesta after lunch hour and then they go back to work at 3 p.m. and work till 6. You want to teach going forward. Oh, yeah. Do you feel a slowness or any sort of rush in getting any place? You seem to be very calm going through the world, and it's always something that I've admired in you. Oh. And I'm, I'm just wondering how you think about what you want to accomplish. I suppose I trust in the world to provide opportunities for me. The, the stories I've heard from other people, that's how it seems to go down oftentimes, is life starts to pull you in many different directions as you become a free agent on the market of life. When, you have, you know, when, you, when you're just like, what could I do? I could do whatever. You know, I could go teach in Utah. I could go hike somewhere. I don't know. I, I just, I guess, I just have a lot of trust in the world to to provide opportunities because I, I put myself out there, and so you know, I'm putting myself out in the into the light to be recognized. Yeah. And so I'm just trusting that that will happen. Amazing. But I don't know how. It sort of just happens. Yeah. Life unfolds, like you said, as you become a, a free agent. And I love that term. <laughs> <laughs> Different doors open and picking which door is all part of the ride. Yeah. One, one thing to another. Who mm-hmm. in the community do you think is doing good work right now? Whether that's organizations, musicians, who have you been impressed by lately around the Twin Cities? Mm. I suppose I've been very impressed and inspired by my friends who are doing work in the Black Lives Matter movement and just pretty much any social justice. You know, a lot of people are pretty complacent the way things are now and are satisfied with the illusion of equality. But I feel like the young people I know are are really making a push and demonstrating and writing to their representatives and they know they can see what's wrong. They've been educated and they can see what's wrong with how it is. And they're making real effort. Getting involved. To change it. To lean in, yeah. 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 There's a lot of cynicism. We're privy to a lot of cynicism given what's going on in the government, but it's like it's really inspiring to see the people we know not giving in to that and maintaining hope that it can that it can change. And radiating that hope. Radiating, yeah. Tell me about some of your favorite books. You shared a line from the Tao Te Ching earlier, which has come up a few times already as as favorite books on the podcast, mm-hmm. the line about nature and how it doesn't hurry. Mm-hmm. Any other, any other favorites that top the list there? Uh, of quotes from the Tao Te Ching, or, or just or books, books. Or let's approach it from this way: What books have you gifted to people most often? Any books you've oh. read that you that you've had to share? I talk about this book that I was recommended when I was about fifteen, called "The Earth Abides" by George R. Stewart. That was recommended to me by a guy named Arb, and it's about this young man named Ish, who goes up into the Rockies on a on a hiking trip, and when he comes back, the world has, the the human population has gone all but extinct from from, from an epidemic, <laughs> and it's all about how he travels the country in search of just people to like restart society with. So that's always been one of my favorite books because it really speaks to me about how resilient life is 
and kind of gives me a sense of hope because of you know how people are always talking about the end of the world and climate change is going to kill the planet. It just kind of reminds me that the Earth is going to be fine no the matter what happens. Yeah, the Earth yeah. abides. Very cool. So I recommend that to people a lot. But I guess the last new book I read and really enjoyed was a book that my friend Gustav Schwen gifted to me, and that's then I gifted out. it. Yeah, that's a shout out right there. Um, but then I gifted it to my friend Ashlyn Sims And then in turn to my friend Matt Larson And it's a book called Moscow to the End of the Line By Benedict Erkofeev It's a Cold War Russian novel Whoa. Check it out Alright man Speaking of checking things out You have a pretty huge opera performance coming up in February Ooh. Can you give a, a brief summary of that And uh, just tell people the week that they could come out and see it If they're anywhere near Appleton, Wisconsin yeah, it's called Hydrogen Jukebox, which is a six-voice chamber opera. So it's a, an opera for six voices, for one flute, a soprano sax in B-flat, a tenor sax, a bass clarinet in B-flat, and two synthesizers. And this is based on poems, right? Yes, it is 20 poems, all previously written by the famous beatnik Allen Ginsberg, and set to music by Philip Glass, a modern piano composer. And this is kind of a secret, but (laughs) we'll we'll put it out there. Um, (laughs) The conceptualization that we have for the show is that throughout the 20 poems, the 20 passages, we're going to represent the ascension through the seven chakras in Hindu culture. And this is mid-February, you said? This will be mid-February. The rehearsal, um, dress rehearsal and performance week starts February 13th. And the last show will be on the 19th. Cool. I'll be there. And to wrap up, any place people can find you if they want to connect with you? Social media, anything like that? Yeah, you can hit me up on Facebook. My name's Eric Nordstrom on there. It's a picture of me wearing some shades and a gray sweater. (laughs) All right, man. Thanks for your time. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Chance. Anytime, anytime, my friend. Let other folk make money faster in the air of dawn. Three.